Hello, and welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering burning questions on how men think. I'm Lancey McCall, today's moderator, and our hosts are Michael Aspen and C.T. Andrews. Hello, everyone. Let's do it. Come on. Hit me. (laughs) All righty, then. Eager beavers today. Yeah. We'll just just get right to it, then. Uh, Today's listener question is... Uh, what is your default reaction when you feel angry? And then the same question for when you feel sad. So when you get angry, when something happens that make you makes you angry, what is your go-to first reaction? That's kind of a that's kind of a tricky question because anger is often a go-to reaction for other emotions. So. Um, mm-hmm that's it's not that anger is uh oftentimes for me anyway anger is not the precursor to an additional emotion it is the result of another emotion so it's what is your reaction what is your reaction when you feel angry what actions do you take when it when it when it gets to that stage um i usually want to hit something i want to break something right i want to see something get destroyed whatever that may be um Usually not people, although on, on occasion I have been tempted, but I've never really hit anybody. So I would say that would physical, physical destruction of something would, is usually where I try to go. And then isolation, I would say those in quick succession, isolate myself because, um, the only way I tend to calm down once I do get angry is to be left alone for a period of time. So I would say that I completely agree with everything you just said, uh, especially the physical destruction part. Um, <laughs> that always kind of uh, that's always sort of a remedy to anger, at least initially. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time I got really, really pissed off at something. And um, I know that when I do, I, uh, I, I have. And I have shown in the past really wonderful control when it comes to being angry and my initial response to anger, uh, because isolation, which Michael also pointed out, is where I go. Um, I get uh, I isolate myself, um, if not physically, then certainly mentally. This sort of goes back to what we were talking about several weeks ago now about the how you deep you you. you compartmentalize your thought processing compartmentalize your emotions mm-hmm. um and i think that is necessary when i for one get really really angry but it's been a long time since i've just been pissed off enough to see red oh and by the way when people say that i'm mad enough to see red i think that there's a truth to that like everything sort of flushes a little bit darker doesn't it visually like everything sort of fades into like this darker hue that could be confused as red and um oh that's bad that's mine really feels, bad <laughs> like yeah mine feels shadowy have, have a stroke mine Whatever. feels shadowy and gray not red but i but definitely yeah do you like, have any other uh physical reactions like you know like your heart pounding or oh yeah oh yeah break out in a sweat or yeah, I, I would say that 
you know, we all sort of have this uh, ambient understanding of the physiological response to anger. I think I'm pretty much textbook that, <laughs> you know, um, my, my, my temper, my temper flares and I do feel my heart spike. Uh, it's almost like a fight or flight response. Um, uh, and, you know, I get angry at the computer a lot. I mean, really, really angry. Like when it's asking me to do something and yet not allowing me to do that, or when it tells me I need to do something, but there's no instruction. Like, okay, great. I have to, you know, um, redo this feature or that feature. How do I do that? And it just, you, you, have you ever been stuck in one of those computer loops? It's like a, uh, Michael, what's the name of that loop that goes around and around? It's the loop, the psychological uh, loop. Is, you're talking about the OODA loop? Are you talking no, it's about not something else? It's not the OODA loop. It's the, uh, it's something else. There's, there's a, there's a, a vicious cycle. The what? The vicious cycle. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like a vicious, a vicious cycle where you just get stuck in a loop and you go around and around and around. And, and that's what computers tend to do to me from time to time. And it just pisses me off. And you know what I do? I isolate. I mm. get up, usually shoving my computer chair to the wall behind me, and I stomp off, fists clenched, jaw, you know, all locked up. <laughs> and this little vein pops out. <laughs> I walk over there, and then I walk back, take a few breaths, <sighs> calm down, try to recollect my chi. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what my I go through physiologically when I'm angry. So for our listeners it- who aren't watching... CT's face just got really red. It as did. He yeah. <laughs> I I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating that computers do that to you because I would almost universally rather deal with a computer than a person. Because people do that to me. They're illogical, self-serving, self-absorbed attitude just drives me up the fucking wall. This this inability to see how they are just grating on everybody's nerves around them, or at least on mine. And all I want to do is just slap them across the face and go, wake up. And then I have to like, you feel the vein, my face goes red and I'm like, God, God, God. I got to go walk off and be alone or things are going to go bad. And then I got to come back and basically say, I'm not talking to you anymore. And then if I can, I'm not talking to you anymore, but I want it new. No. This conversation is over. You need two people and I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. I just really, I want to point out, this is so funny to me because in in y'all's non-writing careers, CT's job is dealing with people. So it's not the people that frustrate him and and Michael's job is computers. So it's not the computers. (laughs) That's a great point. Yeah, we're we're in the proper field given our temperament for sure. True. Yeah, uh, I, I will say, go ahead, Glancy. What? No, no, go ahead with what you're going to say. I do have a comment though. Uh, okay, well, I was I was going to say Michael does have a good point. Uh, yeah, there. When, when when someone is behaving in such a way that's just ah, just unconscionable and it pisses you off. Um, they seem to be, and this is why I think I hate computers more than people, because they are oblivious to the signs that you're giving them. The, uh, 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 
uh, when is this person going to shut up? Or when are they going to realize that no one likes this behavior? When are they, you know, and, and so I'm very good, I think, at ultimately going, dude, just don't you see what I'm doing? I, okay, I heard <laughs> the first time and the second and the third time. Okay, you're good. We're done. We're done. And that sort of deflates deflates the situation to where, you know, you know, usually the response you get is, oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. And there's sort of this humble response to it. You know, um, if you do it in a certain way, you can't do that to a computer. All you can do is just stare at the screen and it's staring back at you blank and blank and useless. And so I, I don't know how to deal with computers. I know how to deal with people. Yeah. That's so the <sighs> See, I'm getting pissed off just talking. About <laughs> okay, we should probably not. We should be done with the computers. But, yeah, but I do have what? a question about anger because in I find that I have two levels. First of all, I am quick to anger, like I, and but my reaction is to tell you about it. Like nobody will ever have any doubt that I'm angry because I will speak. But the next level anger that you should be afraid of is when I get quiet. Mm. If I've gone quiet, then we're in the nuclear, holy crap, DEFCON 1, what is happening? I I think also, I may be wrong on this, but I've seen you get angry before, I think, uh, to the first level. And you're also quick to back off of it. Like once you realize that things aren't like you thought, you're like, oh, okay. And like your anger's gone, it evaporates. Mine lingers. Mine, does, once I get angry, it does not stick around. But uh, I find something you said there triggered something in me, which is the anger varies depending on the cause. Remember I said anger is usually the result, not the cause. So if I'm really frustrated with a person who just is so vacuously empty that they cannot understand how stupid they are, and they stare back at me like that blank screen that CT just described because they're just so inane, then... I am typically an anger that will not cease. It will, it will stick around and I have to, that's why I have to isolate myself and I got to give myself time because I will just vent about this moron forever. But let's take the, let's take the opposite of the computer. And I've got a third example with a computer. When I get frustrated with a computer and I get angry, which I do sometimes, it typically does not hold the same level of anger. Like I'll, I might, I might burst out with it. God fucking damn it. Who designed this piece of shit? Stupid fuckers. And then I go in and uninstall the program and start working the problem and it is gone. It's evaporated. And now I'm fine. And the, another example of that is like when I'm driving, um, there's a lot of times when I see somebody do something inconsiderate and stupid, which happens daily. Um, I'll usually just burst my anger out very quickly and then be done. Like, I'm like, oh, you stupid piece of shit. What the fuck? Where'd you learn to drive? What, I got to sit here and wait while you learn how to drive on my time? Fuck, get out of here. So anyway, I was thinking about going to McDonald's for dinner. What do you think? And my wife's just like, why do you get so angry? I'm like, I'm not. I'm done being angry. Now you're starting an argument. And so, (laughs) and then then there are times when, so those are the frustration angers. Then there's times when I get angry because, um frustration all almost always will lead to anger if i don't watch it um but there are times when i get angry where i'm angry at there's like a defeatist anger like 
uh, I'm seeing that things I don't agree with are happening on the news, right? I'm not going to go into what I agree with or don't agree with. But the point is, is I'll be watching something on the news. And I'll be like, man, it feels like the world is going to shit. And there is nothing I can do to change that or very little that I can do. And I get angry, but I'm like, what am I, what am I going to do? It's just like this low yeah. level simmering anger, right? Yeah. It's like the alpha wave. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's always yeah. there and you just can't right. get rid of it. Yeah. But I, but I don't have the tears like you do where I go from being, typically I start yelling and then I start punching stuff around me. And then I'm like, all right, I got to go be away from you. That's my tiered system. I don't have one where all of a sudden I get still and you're like, oh shit, an atomic bomb's going to go off. <laughs> I, I think um, something you said though, made me realize that you're probably how angry you get depends on your expectations from the person or thing you're dealing with. Like on the computers, you probably have like zero expectations. And so it doesn't have the power to make you that angry, but you kind of expect people to do better. I would hope they would do better, but they don't. They're, but is that, you think that's true or not? Level of expectation makes a difference. That's possible. I'll be honest. I haven't thought about that enough to know if that's a, a reaction, but it, it's very possible that you're right. I'm not going to say you're wrong because I don't know for sure. But um, I do find, you know, how, how CT was saying that people are bi-directional with the information, like you're giving feedback to them and they're reading it. There's a lot of times where I feel like the, the information that I'm stating is just bouncing right off of them. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And no matter which way I approach it, they just, it just bounces off of them. I'm like, why are you just, is your head made of concrete? And uh, whereas with a computer to, to finish that analogy that CT was giving earlier, how, how I view a computer, when he says the, the screen is just staring back at him and he doesn't know what to do with a computer, I almost always have resources available to me that I can attack from different angles until I solve the problem. But with a person, I almost feel like no matter which direction I approach them and how many different ways I try to approach them, they just get the same fucking dunderhead response. I'm going to curse a lot in this episode. I apologize. I know this is, this needs to be a retroactive apology. It's like these dunderhead fucking idiots just stare at you and give the same goddamn fucking answer. And I'm like, you know, can you not understand the words that are, do we speak the same language? Did yeah. you learn English as a child? God damn it. And then, I'm off on, you know. Yeah. I feel like we triggered Michael. We triggered <laughs> Michael with this episode. So then I gotta walk away. I'm like, I'll be in the bathroom, god damn it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Moving from anger. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about another emotion. Yeah. Uh, what about sadness? Because uh, <laughs> sadness in the eyes. I, I like anger better than sadness. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Anger. Well, no, that's a really good point. Hey, oh, oh, hang on. I'm getting a cramp. Damn it. I'm a cramp in my leg. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do the remainder of the episode bent over while I'm trying to get rid of a cramp in my leg. Uh, but anger, anger is a little that oftentimes leads to action. Whereas sadness often does not. So anger is a much, uh, when CT said he'd much rather be angry than sad. I get that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah there's a certain, there's a certain comfort, comfortability, comfortability, if that's the yeah. proper word. It, there's a certain comfort in anger yeah. that is not because, because anger, there comes, well, like Michael said, there's an action. Anger is actionable. 
Right. Sadness isn't. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do about sadness. You know. Um, and and you know, I've never really known real true sadness in my life until fairly recently, within the last probably four or five years since ever since my mom passed away, and I've had people pass away since then, and so I've kind of been introduced to sadness, just that really dark, hard, hurtful sadness, but. Sadness is always, it, it's, we all know what sadness is. I don't think it's actually um, palpable, a palpable emotion until, and I've said this before, you sprinkle in some sweetness into the sadness. And then mm. you get what I think is the most powerful human emotion of all, which is bittersweetness. Mm. And that's, when sadness becomes reflective and you start embracing what might have been at one point, what once was, and you know, moving forward with it. And that's kind of how I deal with sadness. I don't like sadness though. I just don't yeah. like it. Um, I yeah, just don't like it either. Than that, you know, yeah. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very slow to anger. I'm not like Lancey. I'm very slow to anger, but I am like Mike in as much as it makes me explode. Yeah. Sadness on the other hand, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to get sad. Um, when mm. something truly sad happens, I'm very quick to get sad. I don't like they, they, they talk about the seven, the seven steps of, of remorse. Oh, grief. I go through them very quickly. Yeah, the seven steps of grief. The seven steps of grief. I think I go through them pretty quickly, um, um, which I think is a healthy thing. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, I'm like Mike, like Michael, when I'm angry about something, I will dwell and dwell and dwell. I will dwell on it. Um, but again, there's a certain comfort. <laughs> in it's it's that interesting dwell. because. I live with someone also who is slow to anger, but then will hold a grudge like nobody's business, right? He, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. I've never, I've never been that way. I get angry, I, I tell you about it, and I'm done. Yeah. Well, I think there's a difference between dwelling on something and holding a grudge. I think you can't hold a grudge unless you dwell, but just because you dwell doesn't mean you hold a grudge. Right. Uh, your perspective has to be healthy. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't think I hold grudges. I think I'm very, very good at not, but not but very, in spite of the dwelling. <laughs> I'm very so choosy over it. I'm very choosy about who I hold grudges against. There's only certain people that I'll hold grudges against now, but at one time in my life, I held grudges against everybody that, that wronged me or I felt wrong. Yeah. Me. And that wears you out. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't hold grudges. I just write them off and they are nothing to me. Like yeah. they evoke no emotion in me whatsoever. At yeah. That point. yeah. That's, that's one way to get past it. I think what I do to get past it is uh, it goes back to perspective. Like I look at the situation that pissed me off that I'm now dwelling on and eventually certainly isn't immediate. The question was, what's your immediate response? This is not it. No, but yeah. ultimately, this is what I do. I always settle back and I look at what mistake I made. 
what did I do that caused the situation? And even if it was just an innocent thing that wasn't intended, at least I've got something that I can learn from. And that's how I kind of get past the dwelling. Um, and it works. That's really good. That's, yeah. I think that's really healthy. Yeah. I think I probably got it from my mom. <laughs> I, have, I have yet to learn how to fully get over it. Um, sometimes telling somebody else about, about it will help um, talking about it. Um, but oftentimes when I get angry about something, other things that I've been angry about will come back and then I'll dwell on them all over again. Right. Um, yeah. They don't, they, they don't recede into nothingness very easily. It's, it's difficult for me to do that. Yeah. Dwelling on anger is very much like riding a bike. <laughs> Just because you stop riding a bike for a year or two doesn't mean you have to relearn it. Oh no. You just get right back on the bike and start riding right. again. <laughs> This is very familiar. I remember this. Yeah. This yeah. is funny because it reminds me of an argument my husband and I had um, early, earlier in our marriage and where he got mad at me for something and then suddenly brought up something that had happened. You know, it's one of those, yeah, I'm going to bring up the kitchen sink now. I'm going to throw everything in that I've ever been mad at you about. And I just looked at him and said, oh no, oh no, we've already dealt with that. It's put away. You don't get to bring it up again. We're yeah. fighting about this. Yeah. We, we've already we, fought about that. We We're not replaying that. We, yeah. we didn't deal with it. You dealt with it. He's still, <laughs> he's still dealing with it. Yeah. Obviously, he was still yeah. dealing with it, right? <laughs> so I, I do want to get back over to sadness again a little bit because um, so sadness for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to conflate sadness and depression, which are actually two separate things. Yes. Um, but, but for the purposes of today's talk, I'm going to have them both be there. So sadness is something that um, for a long time, my gut reaction was to feel guilty about it because I felt that sadness was a weakness and it was something I should be able to purge by just having a strong enough will. And only as I have matured into the wonderful, loving man with no temper issues whatsoever that is here before you, have I learned that that is the wrong way. You need to give yourself permission to be sad, especially if you're a person that does occasionally get sad or get depressed. And um, that truly, the, the crystallization of that thought actually happened when my kids were watching two separate movies. One was uh, the movie Trolls. And the other one was uh, Inside Out. So in the movie Trolls, they have this thought process that nobody should ever be sad. Sadness should not exist, which really angered me um, in the first step, the first movie. Really angered me because sadness should be allowed. People should be allowed to be sad. People sometimes need to be sad to be healthy. And that's where Inside Out comes in. They actually incorporated sadness into this person's life and allowed sadness to happen. And it made their life better. Um, it's not, it's not happier, but happiness is, is only there as a counterpoint to the opposite emotion, which is, can be sadness or anger or whatever. So anyway, so my initial reaction was always guilt. And now it is begrudging acceptance of being sad when I feel depression coming on and I, and I know that I'm going to be down for a period of time, whatever that is a day, a week, a month, whatever, um, uh, I, I will admit that, okay, you can't fight it. You just need to endure it. 
and there are ways to lessen its effects. So one of my go-to reactions when I start to feel sad or get depressed is to just go again, withdraw. Isolation is apparently one of my coping mechanisms. I didn't realize it as much until I said this just now is to withdraw and start watching comfort shows. So typically, or movies. Um, so these are shows or movies that I've seen multiple times that I really, really enjoy that are very uh, easy for me to watch. They're not taxing. Um, Frasier is a good example. Um, Parks and Recreation is another one. There's a bunch of them out there that, that I'll just go start watching. And the downside to that is with depression, especially watching TV all day makes me feel more depressed. So it feels better at first, but it's kind of like eating candy. If you just eat candy all the time, it feels really great when you eat a piece of candy. But if yeah. all you eat is candy, by the end of the day, you feel like crap. It's the same thing with these comfort shows. So I have to guard against these things that I think help, but in reality, prolong the sadness. Mm. And so that's the initial is isolate and begrudgingly accept isolate and then find a way to salve the burn as it were to make it feel a little bit better. But then typically the show allows my brain. And this is the last part of the initial reaction. And, 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 and before I start actually dealing with it, my brain will start to kind of the back brain will start to process why I'm sad, isolate what caused the issue. What was the trigger? What is making me feel this way? Um, and then, so that's a self-reflective period. And then whenever I can isolate it and can articulate it, then I want to talk to somebody. And so that's, that's usually, then we're getting into what happens after, like after I've been in it for a while, because that, that self-reflective period <laughs> can take a while. It I've, that's what I mean by that begrudging acceptance means I know I'm going to be going into the self-reflective period yeah. and I don't know exactly how long it'll last. So that's my, and I, so sadness for me is a well-worn path. I have dealt with depression for my entire adult life in some form or another. And then I've experienced true grief whenever rel certain relatives have died or my best friend died earlier this year. And they have similar they have similar paths, but the reality is I know that sadness from grief is something that you can overcome through processing through it. Whereas sadness from depression, yeah, you can overcome it this time, but it's coming back. It's, it's a bad house guest. He's got a, he's got a round trip ticket. He's coming back. He's going to sit down next to you on the couch and be like, you should really watch Frasier again. Isn't that a great show? Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm angry. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's my sadness path. I'm going to let it uh, hand it over to CT. Yeah. I like what you said. It's true about being able to articulate what it is that is making you sad or angry. I would say the same of anger too. You have yeah. to be able to articulate it and just saying I'm sad because so-and-so passed away is not enough. What is it about that person passing away that's making you sad? Maybe it's as pointed as if you really dive deep down enough into the truth of that emotion, the seed from where that emotion is coming from. Maybe it's the fact that you'll never be able to get to talk about music with that person again. And that mm -hmm. really makes you sad, you know, uh, and being able to articulate that, I think, is the first step for me in, in, in being able to chew on the emotion and process it if you want to use that word and and get past it um but for me yeah 
I've noticed, I don't, I don't think I've ever really experienced clinical depression. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think I've been depressed. I think everybody's been depressed, but on a clinical level, I don't think I've ever quite experienced it. Um, but what I'm always a little, what surprises me about myself is what makes me sad and what doesn't make me sad. Like I've had things happen recently in, in life um, that I, I walk away from going, damn, why am I not sad about this particular instance? Or, or, or why am I not more sad? Why This is such an event. It should affect me more, you know? And I, I find out that I'm just not sad about it, which is, and that always kind of confounds me. It makes me ask questions about my own character. Does this mean that I'm a little separate from the average human emotional spectrum? Am I not on that somehow, you know? Uh, whereas other th- other times, um, things will make me sad, like something as simple as a song I've heard 50 times and don't like, but eh, I'll listen to it this time just because I'm driving and the words get into my head and it's a sad song and I'm just driving going, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, damn it. You know, it got me. And so, yeah, so sadness for me is like a moving target. Um, It's hard for me to put my finger on it. Now I have had, like Michael talked mentioned earlier, his best friend passed away earlier this year, as did mine, which is kind of coincidental. That hurt. That still hurts. Um, that's a sadness I'd never experienced before. Um, so I've I've been to the depths of that. You know, uh, it's powerful for me and i think also ct mentioned something like this correct me if i'm wrong for me i was asked to give a uh to speak at the as a uh, a eulogy to give a eulogy i was one of multiple people that gave a eulogy at his funeral and processing through that really helped me get to the other side where i'm living with it and being okay with it yeah but not i mean well being okay with it i'm living with it I'm not okay with it, but I'm living with it and I'm able to function without it occupying me in a way that I can't overcome. But, <laughs> but yeah, but the, uh, the reality is there's still a hole there. And I mean, I can go into details. We don't need to do that here. But <clears throat> I can go into details what that hole is, but it's, there's a hole there in my, in my life that just, there's nobody else to fill it. Yeah. And, and um, it's, it's gone. So, yeah, I, I, uh, since we're on the topic, um, the you I spoke, I gave the eulogy as well, one of a number of people, and thank God for it. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, yeah. and the hardest. But I got through it, and I think it helped. I needed it because afterwards, there was a a, a mutuality between me and everybody else that was there. Most of the people I didn't know. And so there was sort of a mutual sharing and confiding and um, just the, the ability to get through it and to begin the processing of that grief was extremely helpful for me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that. It's sadness is interesting and grief is interesting to me because one of the things I've learned in life 
Um, I had a, a really tragic loss early, early in my life, lost, lost a child. And um, every year was so hard. And throughout the years, it's been 30 years now. And it's the, the, the grief and the hurt, it doesn't come as often, you know, but when it does come, it's still just as powerful, just as strong. And sometimes we approach that date in the year um and you know i'll be like i'm really out of it i'm what's wrong with me and then i'll catch the calendar and like oh that's what's wrong with me and so it's like my subconscious knows that it that date is coming and it prepares me and like i said it doesn't happen as often as it used to but when it does come it it hurts just as the hurt is just as fresh right and that yeah. They, the reality is, is now that now that I'm a parent, I, I would never understood it before. But now that I am, I can tell, at least in my life, that the love you feel for your kids is different and deeper than the love you feel for anybody else. Like I, I don't. I mean, I love my wife very much. I'm not trying to make in light of that, but it's not the same and it's not as deep as it is with my kids. You would totally sacrifice your wife to save the kids. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I'd look forward to that or that'd be an easy decision, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that rough. I'm joking and I don't mean to make light of that, but yeah, no, I, but you're right. I mean, you're, you, I mean, it is, you're making a joke about it, but, but it's just to, it's just to add some levity to a very serious subject. Your kids are, I, I remember reading this in a book one time. It says you, you take a piece of your heart and you put it into another living being and you send it out into the world to get beat up. That's what having a kid is like. And, and it's just a piece of you out there that you cannot pull back. And um, God, that, yeah, that, that's a very apt description. So yeah. <clears throat> anybody who's had to go through the kind of grief that you've had to go through, Lancy, I have a whole new respect as a parent now than I ever, I mean, I always respected it before, but like, oh yeah, that must've been rough. But now I'm like, oh, that. But I, I tell you something interesting that happened that is, is kind of funny, honestly. Um, before I went through this, before I had ever experienced this kind of thing, I was, I never cried at movies. I never, and anybody who was like at a movie crying, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. And then I swear to God, after that, a, a Kleenex commercial comes on and I'm feeling the feelings, you know, yeah. where I never felt them before. So yeah. I, I did not cry at all. I watched Titanic in the theater when it came out, did not cry a freaking tear, even at the end when they're on the, when they're on the door and what's her name's being really selfish, not letting him on the door. So he dies in the water. Even at that point, when he drifts off into the water, I didn't, I'm like, what a stupid, this is just such, they're contriving all these emotions. I watched it again as a parent. And there was a scene where this woman is tucking her kids into bed they're down in steerage and you know, they're going down with the boat and she's trying to keep a happy, positive face on for her kids to keep them from getting scared. So their last moments on this planet are not scared, bawling my freaking eyes out because I'm like, I get it. I get yeah. it now. Yeah. yeah. Perspectives yeah. change, man. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. All right. All right. So guys, we're over time. Do y'all have any last things you want to say about feeling emotions? No. <laughs> I do want to apologize because I feel like I've put both of you through the ringer with this question. <laughs> nah, I, would, was fun. I liked it more than I thought I would. I, I would know, like to visit this. Urge. 
<laughs> I would like to visit the same topic again, only with positive emotions. Oh, um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, we yeah. should schedule that for a future future episode. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to wrap us up. Um, this will conclude this episode of Writing Guys. If you have a question that you would like to, that you, excuse me, if you have a question that you would like answered about how men think, um, visit writingguys.net and click the button to ask us a question. And then be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the Writing Guys podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we will see you next time. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.